0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a podcast on money, investing, the economy, and why they matter. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode four, and we're talking about seesaws or teeter-totters. I don't really have a title for this podcast yet, but this is teeter-totters and seesaws as they apply to the economy and as they apply to investing. I admit, I actually did a Google image search for seesaw to see if seesaws still exist and, and try to learn a little bit about the history of seesaw. They, they've been around for over a century and if you, if you recall what a seesaw is, it's, it's a, effectively a level, a board with a fulcrum in the middle, and in the one child, or adult, if it's big enough, sits on one end of the seesaw, and the other adult, or child, ideally of equal weight, or, or similar weight, sits on the other end of the seesaw, and you go up and down, up and down. I, I love seesaws growing up. One of the things about seesaws, though, is they only work if there's two people. The, you can't, I've tried it, I was a lonely child, and tried seesawing by myself, but it, it just, doesn't, just doesn't work. You need both of them. Why are we talking about seesaws? And I guess, or teeter totters. And, and I won't even give you the derivation of the words, but both seesaw, seesaw comes from the French word. I don't speak French, but it was like C I C A, and, and it meant this and that was the French de- de- derivative of the English word seesaw. Teeter totter, I believe, was a Nordic word, and I don't remember what it meant. What does it have to do with the economy? What does it have to do with investing? Well, just as as we learn, when there's a seesaw, you need two people. And so when it comes to the economy, one thing to always ask is, who's on the other side of the seesaw? We talked about this in episode three when when we were looking at investing in individual stocks and and recognized that whenever I buy a stock, there's always somebody else on the other side of the trade selling it. I'm on one side of the seesaw buying, the sellers on the other side of the seesaw selling. There's the, the the exchange is sort of in the middle, is that fulcrum. But the question was what what do I know? What informational edge do I have that the seller doesn't? And and that's what that's what makes markets. So that's an that's a simple example of a seesaw from last time, episode three, but episode four, we're going to focus more on the economy this time and seesaws that are involved in the economy, because everything is connected. And and, and oftentimes, when it comes to economic viewpoints, which, as I've I mentioned in earlier podcasts, are often infused with political bias. One way to be non-biased in your view of the economy and how it works is to think of it in terms of seesaws. For example, let's look at government debt, the federal government debt particularly. And and if you recall in the first episode one, if you haven't listened to it, listen to episode one, how money is created. We learn that governments create money when they spend. And when governments spend, so all they're going to do is spend. Well, when they spend, when they actually run a budget deficit, that's what creates Money. Let me let let me revisit that. Government spends a dollar, and then that dollar goes into the economy. Money's created, but if the government turns around, federal government turns around and taxes a dollar, then that money is destroyed. So there's no net new money going to the system. Governments, when governments spend, they create money. When governments tax, they destroy money. When a government spends more than it collects in taxes, it runs what's called a budget deficit. And so there's new money going into the the system. Now, one of the questions is, if the government is on one side of the seesaw creating a budget deficit, who's on the other side? Well, that's one of the things with the economy. Whenever there is a deficit, if somebody's running a deficit, that means somebody else is on the other side of the seesaw running a surplus. So when the federal government runs a deficit, who is running a surplus? Well, the private sector. Private sector being households and businesses. Now, here's here's a little secret. Surplus, another word for surplus is savings. If, if, for example, if I have a business and I, I have my revenue and I've made, I have revenue of $100,000. And if my expenses were $80,000, I made a $20,000 profit. That profit is a surplus. I have a $20,000 surplus. In fact, that $20,000 would be business savings. So profit equals savings, equals surplus. It's all the same word, just different, just different names. So surplus is another name for saving. So when a government is running a budget deficit, the private sector, the households, and businesses are running surplus. They're saving. In fact, there isn't any way the private sector can run can actually save money unless the federal government runs a deficit. That, that, the first time I, I realized that, I was dumbfounded. What? You mean we need budget deficits in order to save? How, how can that be? That, 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 doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. Until you look at it, one from the seesaw analogy, but also mechanically... What happens? Because so often when we look at the economy, we look at it as a household, and we look at it just sort of from our, our individual household perspective. Well, but when you look at overall macro economy, the overall economy, you got to look at it in aggregate. In other words, when everything comes together, all the businesses, all the households, and the federal government. Let's look at an example. Suppose that all the businesses and all the households in a country want to save 10% of their income. Think about it. So everybody, everybody wants to save 10%. And, and what is savings? Again, let's go back to our business example. Savings is you have your income and you deduct your expenses. And if there's money left over, then that's your savings. Income minus expenses equals savings. Well, that's simple, right? But here's a principle to keep in mind. My spending is somebody else's income. If I go to the dollar store and take poor example. I never go to the dollar store. a terrible example. If I go to the tire store and buy a tire gauge for a dollar and give the tire store a dollar, That's my spending, but that is the dollar store income. So back to our example, if everyone decides they're going to save 10% of their income, that means businesses are going to have less income because all these households decide, well, I'm just not going to spend as much as the grocery store. And so the business is going to have less income. But if the business is trying to save 10%, in other words, earn a 10% profit, they're going to have to spend less too. So, so suddenly, you have everyone, as they try to save 10%, reducing their spending. But if everybody reduces their spending 10%. Then in aggregate, everybody's income dropped 10%, which means no one was able to save anything. How do you solve that problem? The only way it could be solved is if there was some outside entity injecting money in that, is, that essentially produces that 10 percent. Who's that outside entity? Well, it's the federal government. If the federal government actually spent 10 percent, the equivalent of 10 percent of the economy, by creating 10 percent of aggregate income, let's say they just, they're just spending it on Social Security and services, well, that's money going into the economy. Where where did that money come from? Where did the government get it? Well, we learned that governments don't need to get money anywhere. They just change the digits in the accounts when they spend. They just they, they debit a business's checking account when they spend it. So the government can create money out of thin air. So if the if the government create the federal government, that is, creates ten percent money equivalent to ten percent of aggregate income in the economy. So then everyone, all the businesses and households decide to reduce their spending by 10% in order to save. And then the government sort of fills in that gap with the 10% that they're spending. That actually allows savings to occur. Now, you kind of have to think about that as you think about it. But ultimately, that's what it is. Because every dollar spent is somebody else's income within the private sector. And if I reduce my spending in order to save, that means the tire store's income just went down, which means they're going to have to reduce their spending, which means they're going to have to pay their workers less. And those workers are going to have less income now. And and so you kind of have this downward spiral unless you have an outside entity. And that outside entity, in, in the absence of any type of foreign trade, which we'll talk about later, maybe this podcast, maybe another one, that outside entity is the federal government. They're the only entity that create money out of thin air, and that actually allows the private sector to save. Now, if the if the government says, "Well, I don't want to run a budget deficit, I want to I w- want to run a balanced budget." Well, in that case, they will tax an amount equal to what they spend, and in doing so. It all evens out, but the private sector is is unable to save. And that's why we use the seesaw analogy, because a budget deficit is on one side of the seesaw. The household or the private sector surplus or savings is on the other side of the seesaw. You can't have one without the other. What happens when the government tries to run a surplus? In other words, the government tries to save. If the government saves, that means they're collecting more in taxes than they're spending in income. And so that means there's money destruction because they're destroying more money than they're actually putting into the economy. And, and so you got the government on one side of the seesaw destroying money, running a surplus. Who's on the other side of the seesaw? Well, it's the private sector. In other words, the private sector has to dissave. They have to run a deficit. Well, what? think about in your household. What does it mean when you run a deficit in your household, in your family, or in your individual? That means you're spending more than you collected in income. You're going into the hole. Now, sometimes you can cover that individually. If you borrow money, you can do that. But for the overall in aggregate, the overall private sector to be running a deficit That's unsustainable, which means that if the government ever tries to run a surplus over a long period of time, that the private sector will ultimately have to reduce their spending in order to pay those taxes, which means the economy will, will actually contract. It will shrink. There's been only two or three times in the history of the United States that the government has run a budget surplus. Shortly thereafter, we have always gone into a recession. You have to. That's just the way the math works, because if the government's going to run a surplus, on the other side of the seesaw is the private sector running a deficit, which means they can't keep going into the hole. They have to cut their spending, and which means they're going to buy less stuff, which means businesses are going to produce less stuff and... and the economy is actually all the stuff that it's the output. It's the value of the output. So if businesses are cutting back what they're producing, then the economy shrinks. That's why it is very dangerous for governments to run budget surpluses. Now, why would a government want to run a budget surplus? Well, the only reason they do that is if they want to pay down government debt Now, there's, there's such there's there's often a lot of hysteria regarding the national debt government debt now, how are you going to pay that off well the only way you pay off debt is you one a in your household you pay off debt is you spend less than your income and you take that extra money and you pay down debt that's how debt is paid off if you're the federal government the only way to pay down debt, is you spend less than your income. Government income is tax revenue. If they spend less than their tax revenue, they're running a surplus. But who's on the other side of the seesaw? The private sector is running a deficit. It just can't be done. Why would we want to, though? Let's, let's, so that, let, me, let me stop that analogy. That's seesaw example number one. Government budget deficit, federal government budget deficit equals private sector surplus. Can't have one without the other. The private sector cannot save without the federal government running a surplus. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com david. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Let's talk about federal debt, the national debt, because that's another seesaw example. On one side of the seesaw, we have the national debt. Let's say the United States or the Bank of England. On the other side, somebody holds that debt. What is debt? Debt is money that has been borrowed that will someday be paid back. And it's paid back with interest. And so debt is a liability of the government. They owe something, money, and interest to some entity. Who's on, who holds the debt? Who's on the other side of the seesaw? Well, somebody, the private sector generally, that holds an asset. It's it's me. It's you invested in government bonds, or it's your it's in your four hundred and one k. You hold a bond fund, and that they hold government debt, and, and that's what's that's what's so crazy about the hysteria because of the national debt, because we want to pay down that that debt, but the, that debt is somebody's asset. They're earning interest. In fact, the private sector competes like crazy. They love to hold government, federal government debt, U.S. Treasury bonds and notes. Why? Because it is a risk-free investment, and you can earn interest. The private sector uses invest in government debt in order to have a safe place to store their savings. Now, how can I say the federal government debt, U.S. Treasury notes, are, are safe? What if the government goes bankrupt? That, that would certainly be a problem. But let's go back to our earlier podcast. How could the government how could the federal government go bankrupt? What would it take? It would take well, how does a business go bankrupt? Businesses go bankrupt when they they have so many expenses they don't have any income. They don't have any money. They run out of money. Can the federal government run out of money? It can't. Because the federal government has a monopoly over the currency. They can create money out of thin air simply by spending. It's impossible for the federal government to go bankrupt unless politicians choose to. But mechanically, it just can't be done because there's always money to pay off the debt. And investors, if they're wise, they know that. They know that federal government debt, which is really treasury bonds and notes and bills, is risk-free. The government can't go bankrupt. And so they store that. And so one of the things that just dumbfounds me, there's always this, this phrase that our children and our grandchildren are going to be having to pay off this national debt. We're leaving them with this huge burden. That perspective is only looking at one side of the seesaw. First off, Think in your life, when was the last time anyone came and knocked on your door and wanted to collect the debt that your grandparents and great-grandparents incurred, the federal government? In other words, federal government debt from decades ago. Nobody comes and collects federal government debt because the debt is somebody else's assets. And there's a huge demand to hold federal government debt, because it's risk-free, the government can't go bankrupt, and so the national debt will never be paid off, ever. It hasn't been paid off since the 1850s. If the government, federal government, tried to pay off the debt, as we talked about earlier, the only way they could do that is to run a surplus. And what happens when the government runs a surplus? That means the private sector on the other side of the seesaw has to run a deficit, which means the private sector is spending more than they're taking in the income, which they can't do over an extended period of time. And so the federal government can't pay off its debt. It just won't ever be able to because as soon as it runs a surplus for a year or so, the economy goes into a recession. The economy contracts. What happens when the economy contracts? Well, income goes down, which means as incomes go down, households and businesses are paying less income taxes, and so federal government revenue goes down because the tax rate, tax dollars are less. Now you don't even have to change; you don't even have to change the tax rate. The tax dollars are less, so tax income drops. At the same time, unemployment goes up and so the federal government is paying more unemployment benefits and so the the government's expenditures are going up while their income is dropping, which means they actually switch over from a surplus to a deficit. That's just the way the math works. And so the government can't run a surplus for an extended period of time without forcing the country into a recession, which in turn makes the government go back into a deficit position which allows the private sector to save. And so that's why we have to always look at how all these things are connected in terms of who is on each side of the seesaw. In a later podcast, we'll we'll look at it in terms of trade because when a country runs a trade deficit, which means that they are importing more goods and services than they're exporting. That means there's there's got to be another country out there, several countries running a surplus that are exporting more things than they they are importing. For example, China runs a huge trade deficit with the US. I mean, the trade they they run a trade surplus. We buy hundreds of billions of dollars more from China than we sell to them. We run, the U.S. runs a trade deficit. China runs a trade surplus. What does China get for selling us all these goods? They get a bucket full of dollars. They have a ton of dollars. So on one side of the seesaw, they're holding a bunch of dollars because they just sold us all this stuff. What do they do with them? Well, dollars is what they got. And they like to invest those dollars and earn a safe rate of return, so they invest them in U.S. Treasury notes. And And China holds so much debt of the U.S. because we've bought all this stuff from them. They have the dollars. We want a trade deficit. And so this is another seesaw example. Every dollar that I spend with buying a Chinese import, it's a dollar that they get that they can go and buy a treasury bill with or a treasury note, some of the national debt. If I chose not to buy that item with him, then I have the dollar. China doesn't have the dollar. And I could go out and with that savings because I didn't spend, so I saved it, and go out and buy the treasury note. So that's episode four, seesaws and teeter-totters and how... It works with the economy. Thanks for joining me. Please remember, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. And, and maybe by then, I have it on, on, on some other services, Sketcher or some of the other SoundCloud, but certainly by iTunes. If you would do me a favor, and if you like the podcast, or even if you don't, if you would leave a review for me that that helps distribute the podcast out more because Apple likes likes reviews and they they tend to highlight the programs moneyfortherestofus.net is my website where you can get information on the podcast you can get show notes in fact you can sign up for the newsletter where you'll get episode previews and just stuff that I'm not able to explain in the podcast and just additional information so you can get that that goes out weekly any questions, please email me at jd at Any question you have on money, investing, the economy, why they matter, or just personal finance in general, I'd love to answer them for you. And, and if it's, it's something relevant to the entire audience, then we'll, we'll have a podcast on it. Thanks again. Just one more thing. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are for educational purpose only. The information does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person. What I share on this podcast should not be construed as investment trading advice and does not constitute an offer or an invitation to make an offer to buy and sell securities. Any return expectations provided are not intended as and must not be regarded as a representation, warranty or prediction that an investment will achieve any particular rate of return over any particular time period or those investors will not incur losses. Thank you.